now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Jesse DeConti, U.S. Army veteran and current music and marketing consultant from Nashville, Tennessee. Jesse was an atheist until she had two near-death experiences, and today we're going to learn about them. Jesse, thank you so much for being my guest today, and welcome. Hi, thank you. All right, if you don't mind, then let's just start right on the day of your first one and go from there. Okay. Um, I wanted to make sure and say, just in case anybody drops off, that both near-death experiences were both equally as profound um, and identical. So it was two separate days. Both of them were because I was not breathing. And so this was in 2010 in the spring in Simi Valley, California, where my daughter and I lived. And just a background, I had been spending a little time with my mom here and there watching TV, and I had put on some weight. And it was because I was under a lot of stress, uh, just custody, child custody battles, things like that. And in, as a result, I got what turned out to be sleep apnea, but I was unaware of it. And my mother, when I would stay at her house, watch a movie or something, complained and said, and she works for uh, urgent care at the time, you stop breathing in your sleep and it's frightening. I, I lay there and I wait you know, because you snore. So it's like you're snoring and then you just aren't breathing. You stop. And it was sending her to panic. And she had been telling me that I had put on a lot of weight and I needed to see a doctor and that she thought I should do a sleep study because I probably had sleep apnea, but I blew it off and ended up one night I guess I stopped breathing because there is no way to explain what happened to me. Um, I'm going to do my very best to put it in the words that are available here on earth. But what happened is I came out of my body. I did not feel pain. I wasn't suffering and I could see my body. And the one thing that I want to really, I've I've thought about this a lot, that I want to explain so that people can understand the difference between a dream and outer body experience is that when you come out of your body as a soul, everything that you're feeling, none of it has to do with the mind. And that's hard to understand. But I'm going to jump ahead because when you come back into your body, you immediately, I felt trapped, confined by my brain. Now the brain was thinking. Now the brain was judging. Now the brain had minimized all of the things that were so great when I was outside of my body and immediately taken in and embraced by what felt like God, the father, and I was an atheist, but you don't have a doubt 
I did not have a question. This was so physical that I could see all the way around me. I could see down. But before that happened, um, I remember I got up and I my, my body stayed down on the bed. And I got up and there were these lights and, and the lights were in the dark space that I was in. And it was so tiny and dainty and delicate, almost like when you're waiting in a long line at an amusement park and they have those misters on, but they're lights. And I knew instantly that I could, if I wanted to, touch the light. And if I did, it was going to be amazing. And I couldn't resist so that that point, when I went like that to go into the light, the rest of me came out of my body. And it was magical. Um, the love that was connecting and surrounding me and holding me and comforting me felt fatherly. And it felt perfect. And when I say that each of these things happened, it wasn't in one right after the other. It was all at once, all encompassing, almost as if God, and I'm going to use God because that is the greatest word that I can come up with that describes this, this being, this, this fatherly feeling of love holding me and embracing me and almost laughing because I had been so angry because I was born and raised as a Catholic. And after that, I went through being born again as a Christian by my aunt Cookie. And then I went on to meet other people that were different religions and I would try out their churches. And, you know, I just sort of take, took God with a grain of salt, but I did believe, but as life went on and things happened around me, bad things happened that made no sense to me. I couldn't understand how a God would allow suffering. And I was angry because I'm a very sensitive, sympathetic, empathetic person. So as more and more things are happening, I'm feeling it. I'm taking it in and I can't stand it. And I'm angry because there's only so much that I can do to help people to, to you, you, I don't even have a TV. When my daughter was born, I, I couldn't watch TV anymore. It was that much of a big deal to me. And so God didn't matter. So when I went into this light and God took over and held me, it was almost as if I suddenly understood why there was suffering and it was immediately told to me through his connection, because you communicate with God. It isn't a thought. It's a knowing. It's knowing. It's not even like he's telling you. It's like suddenly, you know, and he he's holding you like, don't you remember? This is why don't you remember? I've been here all this time. And what it was is that we are here on this earth, like it's a playground or a school. And we have all these choices. And it doesn't even matter what religion, 
I'm realizing that you believe in. It could be Jehovah's Witness, Christian. Everybody has a choice to do one of two things. It's to love unconditionally. This is what was told to me in the spiritual way. And I want to make sure and say that because I've had people tell me, well, I had a heart attack and everything went black. I don't remember anything. And then I said, you didn't have an out-of-body experience. You didn't have a near-death experience. You were unconscious. That's what happens when people faint, okay? Or a person goes to sleep. It isn't about thinking. When you have an out-of-body experience, it is so great and so magnificent. And this is just the entrance. I'm not even talking about what happened even further as I went in. And that... It almost sounds cliche, but I want to try and drive this point home that these so-called different colors or these flowers or the music, it isn't as if we're just hearing it. We are part of it immediately. And it is all part of this love connection that God is trying to show us and teach us that what I, my takeaway from all of this was when I came back, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so easy. It's so easy. All of us can do this. I just need to tell everybody. But when I said it in my human words with the brain wrapped around everything and my body, the physical body holding me in, my soul now, all I could say is, and it isn't the same as what happened in my dear, near-death experience, is start loving first and everything else comes after. So you have the horse and you have the cart. Love is the horse. Everything else goes in the cart. And that's what was revealed to me in this near-death experience. It seems so small the way I'm saying it. But when I was there and it, it was so amazing and it's like, okay, you can't stay. You have to go back there and tell everyone this. There's no way I can convince anybody that this is the secret to life that everybody wants to know about. And with people who are so religious and so wrapped up in the, you got to do this and you got to do that and you you, you, you got to have first communion and, and you got to do God's just so loving that really even the Bible, the, what, what, what was revealed to me and a lot of Christians aren't going to like this. A lot of pastors aren't going to like this. My brother, um, who's a minister might have a problem with this, but he just loves me so much, but Man wrote the Bible. Yes, these are people that had experiences, prophecies that were revealed to them, things that actually happened, Jesus dying on the cross. But in, in the end game, we need to all remember we are all human here on earth, those before us and those after us, and we all make mistakes. And the few that or the many that get to die and experience this effervescent, magical, sparkling, 
um, fulfilling, no needs, no pain, no question. It, when they say you don't suffer, that means you don't even have a question. You don't have a curiosity. You know everything. And to come back into this body is a nightmare. Mm. I was devastated. And I, I've had a hard time with it. PTSD, whatever, because I don't feel like there's enough for me to do. There's only one me. I need more of me to spread out around the world to, to spread this message about unconditional love. Now, I was the type of person, I'm a patriot. I was all over my Facebook page criticizing terrorists, ISIS, you know, when the elections were going on, saying, you know, showing people, look at this, look at how awful this is. And when I was in the presence of the Lord or the Holy Spirit, the love of God, the love of Christ, when I was in his presence, I knew instantly, these are my brothers. It's not their fault. God loves them just as much as he loves me. And what they're doing, yes, they are murdering Christians but they're instantly in the arms of the Lord. And while we may not like it and it's ugly and grotesque and it's happening, we are wrong to criticize them if we don't have the courage to get on a plane, fly over there and tell them about the love of God. That's, that's not on them. That's on me. That's what I got out of all of this. Of course, none of it was said. You are communicated with, you are connected with this God almighty being. That's all love. And you know, oh my gosh, those are my brothers, but I'm not going over there. <laughs> I'm not brave enough. That's got to be somebody else but I'm certainly not going to go back on Facebook and smash them up with my words because that is not unconditional love. And so once I got through the lights, it was as if, you know, people often ask me, did you see any of your loved ones? And I want to say, yes, I have a friend whose son just committed suicide, blew his brains out. I want to say yes, because I know that's what she wants to hear that she will see her son again. And the thing is, everybody felt like my family up there. I had nobody that was deceased that I was close to here on earth. But let's take my grandmother, for instance. I was never close to my grandmother. And when I was in heaven, Oh my gosh, it's like they were all a part of me and I was a part of them. And we were all so happy to be together. And I didn't want to leave that. I didn't want to leave that. So it happened again the next night. So it happened two nights in a row. And That's when I went and got the sleep study and got the CPAP machine and everything. And I got to tell you, there are times that I just, you know, I'm not suicidal, but um, 
you know, I have my daughter that I love very much. She's perfect. She's 17 and um, they don't need you when they become teenagers very much. So it's like, now what do I do? I got to do something really, you know, amazing and loving the way I would love my daughter. I want to love, and this is the way I'm doing it is, is coming on here to tell you, your listeners, your viewers, that there is nothing to be afraid of. I was afraid coming back here. This is not home. The feeling I felt in heaven, and I'm only calling it heaven. I know there's so much more, but it doesn't even matter. That little piece that I had was huge, and I could have stayed in it for the rest of my life. But the feeling that when we come home from a long day, a hard day's work, traffic, whatever, and we kick off our shoes and we're like, yes, I'm home. <laughs> Multiply that by a million. I knew that place. I had been there and that was more my home than this is. Well, thank you for sharing your experiences with us, Jesse. After your very first time, I would think that your world has just been turned upside down. And then it happened again the next night. How did you handle it two nights in a row? The first time that it happened, I have to tell you, I knew it was beautiful, but I had more questions. I still reserved the right to be an atheist when I came back. And I wanted to keep it a secret. When it happened the second time, I actually wanted more. Like I said, wait a minute, before I go, light something up, do something. I want something that like what you you do in the Bible. I don't know, set my room on fire, do something here on earth and prove to me. So I felt like I had some power in this. And my cell phone lit up and my laptop screen, which had been left open and was in, you know, should have been dark, lit up at the same time. So my cell phone was right there on my desk and then my laptop both lit up at the same time. And then I went through again. And when I went through again, it, he did not, this is what's amazing about God. He never treats you the way humans treat you. So he's not saying, oh, you again. Oh, you don't believe me again. Oh, you want me to prove to you. He doesn't do that. He's excited. He's happy to see you. He gives you all the love you've always wanted. And you never, ever got here on earth, although you thought you had it. The love I have for Madison is so, my daughter is so great. I would jump in front of a car for her. I would do anything for her. But when, when I was in heaven, I had no thoughts, no worries about my loved ones, about Madison. It's as if I knew they're coming too. What the heck? I had no doubt, no question, but the love that he was giving me, and it was as if he knew he was going to like disappoint me again and send me back. Mm. And it was funny. And, and lovable, and I accepted it. But when I got back, it's it's almost like the best way to compare it is like a baby coming out of the birth canal. It, you know, 
it's almost like you're being squeezed and put back into the body and it's traumatic. You know, I mentioned that I have a little PTSD over it because it's very abrupt and um, I'm limited now. I don't, you know, when we're born, if that's where the soul goes and goes into each newborn baby, they don't have the memory because of the infant brain. The infant brain has to develop, okay? And they have to learn things, how to talk or whatever. And their memory, uh, they start to forget things as they get older. Some people can remember when they were two and some people can't. Um, As an adult, when the soul goes into the body, the brain's already mature and it remembers everything but it doesn't have the language and that's been the most frustrating and i can't fly and i can't see you know what's going on beneath me i can't see you know my cats and my computer and my body all like i'm looking down at a scene in a movie i will never be able to do that again and it doesn't seem like it's a big deal, but it is if you've been able to do that. It's a big, big deal because you had it and now you don't. You had all this love so instantaneously and now you don't. And it's depressing. You said after the first one, you were still an atheist. And it appears to me that you were looking for some kind of confirmation. So were you still unsure or you just didn't believe what happened? I believed that it happened. I knew it was more than a dream, but I thought certainly I didn't belong. And I felt like I was accepted and loved. There was no judgment. The life review that I thought that I should have had didn't happen for me. So it was more about letting me know you're job is not to be insulting evil people and talking about them on Facebook. Your job is to love unconditionally and to love first before anything else. So it was almost like I was given a mission. Um, I never felt like I was going to get to stay. So are you saying that the reason why we suffer here, it's all because we're in school and we're just here to experience suffering? Absolutely. No, not just suffering. So some people like to say earth is hell. I could easily agree with that now that it's at least some kind of purgatory, a holdover, because when you come back here and you've experienced heaven, you're, you're not allowed to leave. It's like being in prison. It's like you're in this this world that I don't care if you stub your toe, that hurts. I, I, I don't care if you have to smell someone's bad breath. That's a, that's a suffering. There's, there's every little thing. I got to feed the cat. My back hurts. I don't feel like going to yoga. I'm losing, I'm gaining weight. You know, I've got cancer. I know I'm not, I'm supposed to drink more. Everything is work and effort, whether it's a job and whether it's just surviving, just living. And we're working on our empathy skills. We're working. Um, oh, another thing that I learned 
And like I said, it wasn't told to me, but I know, and, and people don't want to hear this. It was known to me that even serial killers get into heaven. And here's why. And it was so easy to figure out because their brain is not working. It's messed up badly. It is like a broken bone. It is like a liver. I knew that these guys and women were here for our benefit, to make us afraid, to make us protect our children, to make us regret that we didn't care enough about our children, that they were out playing well after dark. And we never, we were too lazy. We were watching a movie and we didn't go check on them. All right. All of it is for a reason. And I'm not going to say I won't be back here. I don't know. But if I, when, when we're in, in that realm, it feels like God's going to let you do whatever you want, that he does want you to have everything you've ever desired. And I don't know how these people end up on earth with mental illness or missing legs, or it could be something, you know, you know, that was naturally that way, or it could be something because a mother did a lot of drugs and their child was born that way, but so many reasons. And we just aren't supposed to be judging anybody, not even the killer. They're all dealing with something deep inside of them. They have fear too. They are angry. They, you know, are lashing out in the same way that we do when we're unkind to our spouse or our child or impatient with our dog. It's all something we're supposed to stop doing and we're supposed to correct and fix. Hmm. So how did you come back? Were you forced or did you choose or did you just spontaneously wake up in your body? No, no, I was forced. I was like floating away, further away, and I didn't want to come back. And next thing I know, it was like into my body. Hmm. So there's no gentle, all right, I know what I'm supposed to do now. And off I go. Make sure he knew that I was loved and I felt it. He didn't say, you see, I love you. He let me know. It was almost like a, um, a spiritual connection or like being filled with the spirit. You, it's so amazing. It's so beautiful. It's so something that you've never even wished for. We're never going to feel this here on earth. It's impossible. There's never... There's no way. And he sent me back and I did not want to be back, but he wasn't mean about it. He wasn't, it was like, I I floated, you know, I came in everything I knew. I saw colors. I'm trying to understand these colors that, um, that I saw that aren't like colors here on earth. I mean, I've literally got crayons and mixed colors together with my paint. And I'm like, what was that color? Um, Multiple. And then the flowers weren't flowers like that we look at in the yard. The flowers literally were like souls, like spirit flowers. And they they were sending out love also. 
So it almost felt like I was in an entrance, like there was more that I could have experienced and I didn't get there. Hmm. Did you but ha- it was enough. It was enough. Did you happen to see some type of barrier or veil that was not letting you cross to that no. spot? Hmm. No, what happened, uh, it felt like space, um, but not frightening, like being in outer space. So dark and light and colors. I didn't get to see the grass, but I saw flowers coming out of space, but they were in formation. You know, they had a place and it was like, they were welcoming and greeting me and they were happy that I was there. But I knew I couldn't go any further. Do you feel like everything you saw there, like the flowers that you just mentioned, was everything made of energy or did it seem more solid and physical like here? Soul, spirit flowers, I call them. They literally had feelings and emotions and music. It was like the music, I couldn't even identify where the music was coming from, but it was either coming from the flowers or coming from the space. But the music is is so angelic and you see other souls, but they're not like they were ghosts standing there. They would just float in and out, you know, and they were all enjoying what they were doing. And they just, I was able to observe it and they were like very mindful of me, like, hey, but they knew I wasn't, they knew I wasn't coming. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that they were preventing me from coming. They just knew, oh, she's, let's just, let's just tell her how much we love her and let's show her, but she's, she's probably, you know, heading back. Hmm. And it was all knowing. So, like I said, it wasn't like I, I have heard other people talk about it. It it wasn't like God stood there and he says, okay, you're here. um, But I can't let you stay. You know, this is temporary. No, it was just uh, showing me what I needed, that he was real, that he is all about love and that I was his child. I felt like a little girl held by him. And oh, I want that feeling back so bad. So what was it the second time that didn't happen the first time that confirmed everything for you and changed you from an atheist back into believing in God? The fact that it had a, that it happened a second time was the first part but just because I am the way I am I said I want something else before I go into the light something here on earth and that's what did it for me because that's what I needed I'm you know I have a lot of friends that are lawyers judges and and you know everything is hearsay and, until you've actually seen the evidence and that was me i always thought the bible was just hearsay let me try to clear something up for me so were you already out of your body and you said i want to see this and while out of your body you saw your computer and cell phone light up or did it do that before you fell asleep no i i was i was definitely awake and i was sitting up halfway so part of my body was down here. Okay. And then I saw the lights just like before, the dainty little um, mist, mist-like lights. Mm-hmm. And I knew what I wanted to do, but I still had choice because I was half in and half out of my body. And I said, no, no, I'm gonna, I want proof. 
but I knew I was going in anyway. I knew there was nothing bad mm. going into those lights. Mm. And then once you go into the lights, it pulls you. And it's a beautiful pull because it's like it's filling you up and it's pulling you at the same time with that love. There's no way to resist it. It's too perfect. It's too just beautiful. Just so I don't think that there's, you know, drugs. I don't think alcohol. There's nothing that could make someone have this experience of being outside of their body in a free spirit, able to move and do whatever it wants and to feel that all that love, the body, the heart, the mind doesn't accomplish that in the physical. No matter, I don't even think it's an infant because they're crying when they come into this world. So after you came back, you had PTSD how long did it take you to process this? And then once you processed it, is that when you immediately changed into a person that was having unconditional love for everybody? The unconditional love started immediately. In fact, I, my twin sister lived in Simi Valley. She was stage four breast cancer. And I, after you know, it happened the second time. That's when I ran to, I got in my car and drove straight to her house early in the morning. And I told her, you're not dying. You're never going to die. This is what's, this is what's going to happen. It just happened to me. Mom was right. I'm stopping breathing. I'm, she stopped me and she says, Janine, don't, you don't have to tell me anything. I can feel it. I can see it all over you. That's what she said. I said, really? Because I almost didn't believe her. And she says, no, I can feel the energy, all of it around you. She'd never seen me this way. So that that was another confirmation for me to have my, my twin sister and I, even though we're twins and we both had cancer, it, we weren't really the best of friends. So I said a lot of things that I should not have said to her um, because people often do that, especially family. When a loved one is sick, we want to like control them and tell them you need to do chemo, you need to do this, you know, and instead of respecting her for a decision. So she's about aggravated with me. And I was really happy that she could feel that coming off of me. That meant that meant something because it was her. If it had been my mother or anyone else that wasn't upset with me, as agitated by me, then, then, you know, but because it was her, it meant everything to me that she said that she could feel it, the energy. So a glow, whatever. And she believed me and she hugged me and I tried to call my brother and tell him and, and he's a very stout Christian and no, and how do you know it wasn't Satan? And I, just, I wanted to clobber him. It was just, I said, you'll never, ever, I wish every one of my family members could go through what I went through and just, you know, we would be such a force. So after it happened, even though I had PTSD, the PTSD really didn't start right away. The feeling of loving everybody and wanting to do for everybody 
came immediately, even towards my ex, who I was fighting with over my daughter. I immediately just loved him for the way that he was. And I, I felt no anger towards him. I was able to see what his side of this would be. I was able to empathize with every little thing, every little squirrel, bug, you know, everybody got their door, the door open. Nobody got squashed by my foot anymore. Nobody, no fly was going to get swatted with a fly swatter. It was just, I was connected to every living thing. They were me and I was them. We're all connected soulfully. And there isn't a chore, a garden up and down my street. I wish I had all my neighbors here. They would tell you that I'm not doing their yards digging, planting flowers, telling them I don't want the money because the whole neighborhood feels like God's garden. It's, it's like, we don't, these aren't our houses. If that makes any sense at all. Mm -hmm. So I just want to do things. I, I want to, because I'm always just connected with source, with God, with that love, pleasing him by pleasing and taking care of all of my neighbors and loving my neighbor literally the way he wants us to love unconditional love. I don't know what your story is. I just love your soul, soul to soul. And I want to give. Have you discovered that you have any new abilities that you didn't have prior? Intuition. um, I've always been intuitive, but Intuition um, about what to do and where to go and what what choices to make. It's coming intuitively and it's hitting its mark. So if everyone's telling me, you know, don't throw a party because of COVID, because um, I do tend to throw holiday parties a lot and I feel like I brought this entire neighborhood together. A lot of these people hadn't talked for a long time. And I just threw the party and everybody was having a good time. There was lovable. There weren't people drunk or anything. And it was a connectedness and it was a bonding that this whole street needed. People were lonely. People were isolated. And um, and then my husband and I both got COVID. Mm. <laughs> We're fine. But we were in bed together and I didn't care if anybody wanted to say you shouldn't have thrown a party, but it was worth it bringing people together. And that's all I want to do is, is help people um, like really be involved. So I don't just say hello to a neighbor. Like I'm, I am in all the way. You know, I'm rolling up my sleeves and I want to know what your needs are and I want to love you and I want to help you. And a lot of people don't trust. They, they immediately think, what does she want? Mm. And I have to resist that self-consciousness. That's brain. That's my humanness. Um, one woman, I, I did all of her flowers for her. She said her husband, her, her son was an ex-drug addict. Her husband was had cancer that he was fighting. He was getting married. And I just saw her out in the yard one day and was talking to her. And I said, is there anything that I can do for you? 
I do yard work and I would love to do your yard for you, plant flowers this season. And she just started crying and she's, I, she's like holding me and I'm holding her on her in her yard. And she says, my son's getting married and I'm having guests come stay. And I didn't, I can't afford a landscaper. I said, don't worry. You tell me what flowers you want. I will do it all. So this is what I'm having to resist. I did it. And her husband got mad and ripped everything out. Wow. <clears throat> That's what I'm not supposed to let bother me. Hmm. My intentions were good for her. She needed it. She was happy. And there's nothing I can do because he's got cancer. He used to do all their, their gardening and, and the landscaping. And he did not want a handout. So I can love him and pray for him. And I, I would never do that before. Can you tell us about the reality over there? Do you feel like that was more real than here? <coughs> and perhaps this is the dream and that's reality? I'm glad you asked that question. Because real, you got to look at that word, what's real. Because this is real right here. What's happening here on earth is very real and physical. But our true self, the true reality, the true place where we belong, that real home away from home is definitely outside of the body. And you feel it and you know it. So people that are saying, oh, the brain shuts down. There's no way, you know, it, you're hallucinating. That's because they're thinking with their brain that everything is thought. It's you come out of your body and it's a whole other consciousness. It's a whole other dimension. Mm -hmm. And it is as real and more fulfilling and happy and more of a birth and no suffering and pain than this world could ever be. This is definitely not where people want to be. This is tiny, teeny tiny compared to where I was. That is home. And there's no suffering. It sounds like it's perfect over there. And so in order for you to experience suffering and all the terrible things that happen here, you have to come here. Otherwise it's impossible to get that experience there. That's, that's a good way to put it. Because if you think about it, what was I doing before? I was feeling sorry for myself. I was combative. I was competitive. I was angry I refused to accept Christ or God, or I was a complete atheist by choice. Um, and I was only going to do for myself. I was going to do anything to get my daughter back. And to be honest with you, that's a selfish thing. Okay. And even if, even if he isn't a good person, the ex, or she isn't a good mother, whatever they are. The motivation behind what I was doing, and I never would have known this had I not been 
in heaven and had my or had my near-death experience, all of my motivations was for me so I wouldn't suffer. So my daughter Madison was a tangible thing, but I could never admit that. I could say, she's my daughter, she's my daughter, but she doesn't belong to me. She belongs to God. Now I know that. And her father, even if he's not perfect, and even if he's a jerk and he drinks and drives or he texts and drives, the bottom line is he's suffering. He was suffering without Madison. So I'm not mad anymore. I can't be mad at anybody. Because every single one of us is suffering if we are, if our souls are in this body. Theoretically, if the point of coming here is to experience suffering and experience the physical matter and other things, why does God need to tell us about unconditional love and for you to spread the message? Are we too far gone? Are we having too much trouble and we need to hear that message to help us a little bit? Or what do you think? I don't think we're all privileged to really know it like I know it now. I think that we can read about it in the Bible. Other people, other prophets, people that have come before us have all maybe had an experience or had a visit from a spirit or, but it doesn't matter because whatever the reason is, and it is definitely by either design that we have no control over that if there is a purgatory or if there is a hell they explain it that there's fire whatever yeah i there's a little fire i got burned cleaning my chandelier and i mean that sucker hurt for weeks um the suffering that we're doing here whether it I can't believe it's punishment because I never felt punished or judged, but I definitely felt like we had something that we had to do. And we're not all supposed to be doing something different. We're all supposed to be collectively raising the vibration of love, that love is the most powerful. And until you feel it and you know it, and you see that you can't judge anybody until you come out of your body so that your soul actually experiences the love connection because it's reciprocal. It goes back and forth. It's like an energy and just takes your breath away. You're like, oh my gosh, I never want to leave here. This is my home. This is where I belong. To come back here and to be back inside a body, all that's working is your brain. And the brain is a cage. The brain isn't letting, it isn't letting you feel or do. So whatever the, our nerve endings and stuff is the soul and the spirit or whatever it is that comes out of the body, the consciousness is much stronger as far as feeling goes. We're never going to feel that here. Mm. So if it's a lesson that I don't feel like I was forced to be here. I feel like I had a choice. Like I chose to be here and I just haven't gotten it all right. 
it's tough down here and people need a little help. So your message is, you know, helping so people imagine, out. Let's just imagine you have this girl, this woman that's giving unconditional love and they've been praying. Literally, I've become an answer to their prayers. So they may not be there yet. They may be like I was, but I am a fix. If they have faith and they believe and they're praying and I'm the answer to their prayers, that's a good thing. That's a Mm -hmm. good experience for a place like earth. Mm -hmm. And we all know Every week, there's something around the corner. Just if something good happens, there's something not so good that's going to happen or something catastrophic. You know, I've never seen an experience in, on my street so much death. Two doors down, I see the aftermath down there. So I don't know if it was a hoarder or somebody died, but he would never come out. He was a recluse. The lady, the sweetest, sweetest woman up at the corner, her daughter died on Thanksgiving um, her boyfriend died, her sister died, who lived right next door to me. She's younger than her own sister, and she's alive, and she's got that faith, and she's out there raking her lease, and she believes. And when, when I look at all the good that comes out of this, there are people who are going to answer people's prayers, and it's an experience on the earth that we get to, to be a part of whether we are on the receiving end or on the giving end, but for people to be giving and loving unconditionally, something has to have happened for them to be able to do that and, and, and push through what the brain is telling them to do. God, look that they got mad. They pulled out all your flowers. You paid all that money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As long as I have, that connection still there available to me. And I've had it twice. So I am one of the lucky ones. After you got back, what do you think surprised you most about the earth or this realm or our life here? Is how loved everyone was. How all these people that I thought were bad, you know, in every movie I've watched and, and you hear about, that they're just, they're just human and human is messy. And it's nothing like when the soul comes out of the body. I'm having a really hard time with people who really believe there are demons running around here on the earth. You know, that every time that someone is a serial killer or that they are evil, I just have a hard time believing that. All I see is the brain is really messed up. Hmm. Even our government, hmm. every government, they've made it stepping on people's heads all the way up. And, and here on this earth, they've lost sight. They aren't loving unconditionally. They are trying to bring something to themselves that they think is going to make them feel awesome, that they're going to be on top of the world. And they're not, they're having all kinds of problems, just like every other human being, their health isn't great but they've got something waiting for them they are suffering a lot of wealthy people are suffering yeah they don't have that love connection with humanity 
they've had to pay a big price to get to where they are today. And I think they are having it the hardest. They think they have it the best and they are very manipulative and they get things done and there's ulterior motives and all that, but we do not need to be worrying about that. I was telling my husband that the other day, you know, every time, you know, he's talking about the news and I'm like, you know what, what has really happened to us? They're, they're talking about it, but we're waking up in the morning. You're going to work and I'm doing my thing going, but none of that's even touched us. So we're so trained to be angry and to be mad. And that's what's blocking this love connection, this energy, this love vibration is the greatest gift of all. And the closer that we get to it, the better our lives are going to be. And I think that is what we're supposed to be doing. And there may be a way for this entire planet to collectively love unconditionally and heal the world. It's been really difficult, um, and I'm glad you're asking me questions, but it's been very difficult, and it's the most frustrating part of all of this is putting things into words. So I could have a dream, um, and, I, and, and I can write it down and, and, and analyze it, but it just feels so brainy, and, and what happened to me is so out of the body and so not here of this world and so much more of a place where I belong. And I never wanted that. I didn't want a God experience because mm. it didn't exist for me. To me, it was all a bunch of BS that somebody made up to get people to behave themselves. It had no meaning, no rhyme or reason. Um, and in an instant, everything had meaning. And I just wish I could explain it better. Right. It's so complicated and so big and so simple. So simple. Well, Jesse, I need to switch gears on you because I'm running out of time. Do you have anything that you would like to promote? Um, well, I guess Jersey Shore Country Radio mm. and uh, DeConte Weddings. DeConte Weddings, is, uh, it's, it's been really cool doing wedding photography um, because you see people in love. <laughs> Everybody's well, happy. Yeah, that's great. All right. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chit chat. Are you open to that? And if so, how can they reach you? Absolutely. In fact, I'm going to encourage people to call me. My number's public. So I'm going to ask them to leave a text or a voicemail because that's what I want. I want conversation. I want to help people who are suffering. So it's 310-919-919. Six nine nine six. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? A first and love unconditionally the way you want someone to love you. You can't go wrong. Jesse, thank you so much for being my guest this evening. I wish you the best and thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great evening. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast.
I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.